Hello, my name's Alex Gould. Thanks for taking the time to listen to this episode of the Skills with People podcast from Gould Training. If you like the sound of what you hear, and you think that what we're offering might be useful, interesting and relevant for you or someone you know, you can find out more about the Skills with People training course by visiting our website at gouldtraining.co.uk. Our website provides answers to many of the most frequently asked questions about the content and method of our course, and we'll even offer you a free initial coaching session as a foretaste of what you can get on the training course. How can you get that? Simply contact us through the website for a preliminary chat and to arrange your free exploratory coaching session. In this session, we'll aim to give you something practical you can use right away that'll help you handle a difficult situation at work more successfully. All you need to do to prepare for this session is to think about the kinds of situations you want to be able to handle more successfully. In this episode, we'll be discussing the theory of emotional intelligence and how it relates to the kinds of difficult conversations we train people to handle more successfully. I didn't get where I am today without learning how to handle people. No, Sir Jerry. I give them a warning shot across the bows, but I don't let them realise I'm giving them a warning shot across the bows. Uh, yes, Sir Not that I want to be entirely surrounded by yes-men. <laughs> no, Sir <laughs> I'm here with Phil Gould on the end of the phone. And rather than us talking about theoretical concepts or dry academic research, what we'd like to do in this podcast is share with you some practical tips that you can use right away when handling difficult conversations. So let's begin with the reason I think it might be useful for us to discuss emotional intelligence in the first place. It's really at the core of what we teach on our training course. And in fact, it's something that you, Phil, have been talking about and teaching people to do long before the term emotional intelligence entered everyday language and became fashionable. Okay. And I think lots of people are interested in emotional intelligence because I get asked questions about it. But I have the impression that not many people know a great deal about it, at least not in practical, everyday terms. Mm. They might have heard bits and pieces in general conversations, but most of the time they have no clear idea about how it can help them practically as they struggle to think about how to handle difficult conversations more smoothly and easily. So let's begin with a definition. What is emotional intelligence? It's uh, a book title a set of skills, Daniel Goleman in his book called Emotional Intelligence defines emotional intelligence as a set of learnable skills, conversational skills, the way you talk and listen to people. It's to do with being conscious of your own and other people's feelings and being, being able to talk about your own and other people's feelings. What about the practical relevance of emotional intelligence, and specifically how it relates to training people to be more successful when they're handling their difficult conversations or crucial conversations at work. Yes, it's a bit bit of jargon, isn't it? Emotional intelligence. I think emotional intelligence is to do with the kind of thing the mind is. We've got our intellect our mentality, our thoughts at one level. We've also got our feelings, our emotions. And emotional intelligence is really to do with the way in which 
our emotional responses to the detail of our lives, the things that happen to us, to our emotions, affect our ability to react, make decisions. In fact, the way the relationship between emotion and reason, I think it's to do with that. And emotional intelligence refers to the fact that if we are unconscious of our emotional responses, so that, for example, if something worries us, if a an alarm bell is ringing within us, but we're not aware that it is, then that energy that is taken up in that emotional response is going to actually affect the way we think and what we do and what we decide. So that the more conscious we are of what the the stream of feelings is, the more choice we've got over what to say and what to do. So I guess what you're saying is that because the emotions are going to be there all the time anyway, and they're going to be affecting how we feel, they're also going to be affecting what we think and how we behave, particularly when handling difficult conversations or thinking ahead and worrying about how to have a crucial conversation. I don't know whether the emotions are there all the time, but they're there a lot of the time, and certainly at work, when, when there's risk involved in their in their decisions or when there are um, conflicts of, of view about what the best way to do things is, it's inevitable that, that there are strong feelings going on as well as all the facts, and that if these emotions are sort of suppressed or buried or out of sight, then actually the outcome of that is not good as far as business is concerned, as far as being able to make successful decisions and and connect effectively with people. What I've noticed quite often is that there's a tendency for some people, particularly the technically orientated, to favour being rational and more logical as a way of making better decisions. And they believe that there isn't particularly room for emotion in business. They want to be able to make good, solid decisions based on evidence when they can back it up and it can stand up to scrutiny if they have to justify it to other people. However, what we're saying, what you're saying, is that although they might be trying to be completely impartial and rational, it's not possible for them to totally avoid being emotional once they're in the throes of handling a difficult conversation or even as they think about the possibility of engaging in a crucial conversation that they might need to have in the future? Well, it's even stronger than that, I think. We have the expression, let's keep feelings out of this, let's be rational. But actually, the opposite takes place. If we try to keep feelings out of this, the last thing that happens is rationality. For example, if you're frustrated or worried about something but don't want to show it, or even admit to yourself that you're it, because you're saying to yourself, well, I'm going to stay cool and I'm going to be rational, actually the energy in the emotional response overwhelms the person's ability to think coolly and rationally. And actually what happens is if you try to hide or bury the feeling, you, as they say, 
you're likely to be acting it out. You're not necessarily aware that that's what's happening, but you're, the emotion that you're trying to bury is actually running the show. And that therefore, how this is practical is that if you can find a way of admitting feelings, talking about feelings in the course of, let's say, a normal, rather tense business discussion, it actually acts as a sort of safety vent. It releases the energy that's normally tied up and within the emotion, and it frees you up in order to be much more creative and much more rational. Whereas if your energy is tied up in suppressing the feeling and therefore not talking about it, then that energy is diverted away from creatively addressing the business problem that you're trying to address. I think it would be helpful if we could discuss how it can be acceptable for people to talk about feelings at work and get away with it. One of the concerns that some people ask me about is to do with them not knowing how to talk about emotions without them running the risk that they might be seen as a bit soft or a bit touchy-feely or sticking out in some way because they're constantly going around asking people how they feel all the time. Yes, that is a perception. A lot of people think if you say, well, let's talk more about feelings, then something rather odd and rather artificial happens. But that isn't really quite what we're getting at, is it? Perhaps it would be helpful to have some little examples here. Yes, I think that could be a very good idea. I remember some years back, we were doing some training with the senior management team in a company. And this idea that they would be free to say how they feel came up and we were encouraging them to do that. And there was an accountant there. And we were suggesting to the accountant that instead of saying it's not going to work in my opinion we oughtn't to make this decision that was the normal way in which he talked that he would give his opinion we shouldn't do this we should do that and on the whole people weren't taking much notice of him so then we said well put it this way can you say if it's true I'm alarmed about the decision that we're talking about making here. I'm alarmed about it because it will have this effect. And as soon as he started talking like that, he noticed that people started taking him seriously. Yes, it is interesting. I find that with people too. This is a very potent and powerful way for them to communicate, especially when they're handling difficult conversations. And he, he was very surprised and I think very encouraged because it's only speaking the truth after all. But somehow it gave the facts that he was trying to put across a dynamic. It sort of grabbed people's attention. If you say to somebody, well, I'm not at all happy with this. In fact, I'm very alarmed by the risk that we'll be running if we go this way. Then somehow it's like, well, it's like, sounding an alarm. And in effect, that's what the emotions are. It's an internal alarm system. Yes, it's interesting. I very often hear people say, let's stick to the facts when handling difficult conversations. But what we're proposing here would be for them to use feelings as facts, wouldn't it? Exactly. And of course, they, they're one of the crucial facts that need to be communicated.
So in practical terms, what we're doing, we're not giving people something kind of soft to say. And these are wrongly called soft skills, because if you actually talk like this, you don't become soft. You actually become harder to resist, because if you say to somebody, well, um, what you're saying worries me a great deal, and then you pause after saying it so that the words sink in, it's very difficult for somebody not to take you seriously when you talk like that, because they're almost bound to say, why does it worry you so much? Hmm. It seems very common sense, I think, what, what we're saying about this. But the trouble with common sense is it's not so common. And I, I think a lot of people have learned to do something different. Most of us at some point or other in our lives have learned not to admit to, not to show. have learned to suppress or hide our feelings. We've learned that if we admit our own feelings or if we show too much interest in other people's feelings, then that tends to get us into trouble. Or people will see it as a weakness and take advantage of it. So we've learned some rather odd lessons about spontaneously communicating about emotions. We've learned that emotions are difficult things to talk about. And so I think what we're offering in our, in our training is a safe and comfortable way of talking about, of making somebody realize why something matters to me so much, and also paying attention to why somebody else is bothered about something. Right. And it's learning to bring that kind of language into a conversation without making a big meal of it, just in a natural way bringing it into a conversation. It makes everything so much easier to handle if the feelings are allowed to come to the surface, but in a safe way, rather than trying to bury them. Okay, so let's talk about who might use these skills. I mean, from time to time, all of us have to handle difficult conversations, and it's really not going to work for people to put off a crucial conversation just because it's difficult and people don't know what to say. Surely they might be useful skills for everybody to develop. Well, and I suppose another similar question is when do you need it and when don't you need it? When does it help to use or display emotional intelligence? And when is it necessary to, to do that? And I suppose the answer to that is, well, um, a lot of the time it's not. So it's helpful when there is tension, when you're under pressure, when without emotional intelligence, misunderstandings are likely to occur. So misunderstandings tend to occur when people are in conflict about the way they see a situation, about what they think the right way to act is. And when feelings are aroused, unless emotional intelligence is used, the conversation tends to deteriorate into conflict and misunderstanding. So the way we coach people to be emotionally intelligent is in a way which helps them to minimize the chances of misunderstanding and maximize the chances of a win-and-win solution to whatever problem is being discussed. <laughs> So there we are. 
the reason why most people find handling difficult conversations challenging is precisely because the emotions are aroused in both you and the person you're talking with. Well, with training, practice and feedback in the skills of emotional intelligence, you can handle difficult conversations with more confidence. What kinds of conversations do we have in mind? The applications at work are pretty broad and varied, and the skills of emotional intelligence can help you achieve a great deal more success. In fact, with the help, practice and support of an expert coach, you'll be better able to more confidently manage a whole range of endeavours. Here's a list of the most common examples we've helped managers and professional people develop over the years. I wonder how many of these might resonate with you. Being firm, but also kind. Tough on the issue, but soft on the person. Giving really bad news without appearing like you don't care. Giving proper, heartfelt praise without making it look like you're just going through the motions. Criticising people without making them feel insulted. Responding to criticism with more grace. Mentoring, appraising and coaching others more helpfully. Managing the kinds of resistance and negativity common to many meetings at work with both confidence and grace when under pressure. Do any of these remind you of anyone you know? If so, we'd be delighted to help. I hope you enjoyed the podcast. To find out more about the Skills of People training course and how you can arrange to have a free initial coaching session, go to gouldtraining.co.uk and go to the Contact Us page.